You're listening to Georgia Today. I'm Steve Fennessy. In this episode, more revelations from an ongoing Senate Judiciary Committee investigation into former President Donald Trump's election interference. A new report from the committee outlines the extent of Trump's efforts to compromise the independence of his own Justice Department and efforts to overturn the 2020 election. One of the most disturbing findings sheds light on the sudden departure of former Georgia U.S. Attorney from the Northern District, B.J. Pack, who you may recall abruptly announced his resignation before the Senate runoffs in January. The sudden resignation of a federal prosecutor from Georgia is now under investigation. B.J. Pock resigned as U.S. attorney after President Trump called him a, quote, never Trumper. In his resignation letter, Pock cited, quote, unforeseen circumstances. According to investigators, Pack was forced by Trump to resign for refusing to go along with Trump's false claims of election fraud in the state. And that's not all. For more on these findings, I'm joined by GPB political reporter Stephen Fowler. Stephen, there have been just so many reports and revelations that have come to light over the last year about Donald Trump's interference in the Georgia election. So let's just start with kind of what this new report is. So this report of the Senate Judiciary Committee and the accompanying minority report really zeroes in on a specific time frame and what seems to be a never-ending conversation about the 2020 election. And some of the actions that the Department of Justice took or did not take regarding all of these claims of election fraud or wrongdoing or things that supposedly put the results in doubt. This main report by the Senate Judiciary Committee runs to 394 pages with all the documents that are appended to it. But despite its length, I have to say it's actually riveting because it includes testimony from these key players, people like acting Attorney General Jeff Rosen, his deputy Richard Donahue, and then, of course, the former U.S. attorney from the Northern District of Georgia, B.J. Pack, who is or was top federal prosecutor here. So these men all testified before this committee. What were they talking about? They're talking about a lot of different things that have happened and come up. There are access and insight into memos, emails, and things behind the scenes unfolding in real time. Really, this is just an unparalleled look into these career law enforcement officials by these career prosecutors, by these uh, government employees that were in the president's circle uh, regarding everything from allegations about fraud and wrongdoing to uh, what is the proper procedure for handling these claims to, you know, the wild goose chases that some are being sent on to track down some of these claims. And so you see through some of the emails and the conversations that are discussed in these reports and some of the transcripts and interviews, the kind of tightrope walking that many of these uh, attorneys and others are doing to avoid Trump's wrath. You go back to your civics lesson, there are three branches of government. There are the executive, the legislative, and the ju- judiciary. Of course, the president appoints his, uh, the, head, the attorney general, the United States Department of Justice, with, with Senate approval. But then he also appoints federal prosecutors around the country, one of whom was B.J. Pack. B.J. Pack testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee for about three hours or so in August. So let's talk a little bit specifically about about what B.J. Pack revealed by going back in time to a specific date, November 9th, which is six days after the general election. 
and just two days after the election was called for Joe Biden. But on November 9th, six days after the election, William Barr, who was then the attorney general for President Trump, sent out a memo to federal prosecutors around the country, including to B.J. Pack, who was the federal top prosecutor here in the Northern District of Georgia. And that memo was significant. Can you tell me what exactly that memo said and why it was significant? Well, think of it this way. Elections are run at the state level. There are elections for federal candidates, but everything is done at a decentralized state level. So the federal government doesn't really get involved in the election process until it comes time to do the, up until recently, perfunctory counting of the electoral college votes and then the official swearing in of president and vice president and all that other sort of good stuff. And you don't want to give the impression that something is wrong when the investigation doesn't necessarily bear out. So this change in the memo authorizing pre-certification investigative steps, quote, if there are clear and apparently credible allegations of irregularities, that has the potential to spook people or move the needle or give more credence to these claims if it's some of the top law enforcement in the country descending on these local state elections to try to figure out if something's wrong. The pre-certification aspect is important because, I mean, the certification means that's when, that's when the results are declared final. And so to have investigators, as you say, maybe swarming some sort of electoral polling station might tip the scales or at least the scales of perception. Yeah. And, and we already saw this. We saw uh, individual people or organizations face a lot of pressure to not certify the election. I mean, in Georgia and other states, there were alternate slates of electors, quote unquote, that Republicans met in the Capitol to try to appoint their own electors to cast the state's electoral votes for Donald Trump. And pre-certification is normally a time where election officials go to make sure that the number of people that voted match the number of ballots. And they go through to make sure that everything's done properly and to check for discrepancies. So the timing of that's important because you know, that is when you could potentially have outcomes changed or votes challenged. You had Rudy Giuliani, a lawyer to the president, come down and just tell outright lies to Senate lawmakers, these kind of kangaroo court committee hearings that were convened, where you had claims of suitcases full of ballots being stuffed into the total at Fulton County State Farm Arena, and other wild claims of attacking the integrity of the elections. The president also questioning the State Farm video, alleging election workers stuffed and scanned ballots multiple times. They did it in slow motion replay magnified, right? She stuffed the ballot boxes. They were stuffed like nobody's ever seen them stuffed before. The video debunked in early December shows standard ballot containers. We com- we did an audit of that and we proved conclusively that they were not scanned three times. Raffensperger saying their lawyers will be in touch, ending the phone call once again, assuring the election results are accurate. And Republican lawmakers allowed this to happen. There wasn't really any pushback except for from the Secretary of State's office and local elections offices. You mentioned uh, the Georgia State Senate hearing when Rudy Giuliani came. Now, and one of the things that stood out in reading this report is sort of an aside from B.J. Pack. And of course, B.J. Pack was a former state 
lawmaker himself. And one of the things that frustrated him, as he explains in this report, is that when you have these Senate hearings, like the one that Rudy Giuliani uh, was in, there's no, there's no oath. You don't have to swear on any Bible that you're going to tell the truth, right? Yeah, you don't have to testify under oath. And so with these committee hearings, Rudy Giuliani got up and said things that either you know, were misrepresentations of the truth or complete fabrications about normal election practices. And there's nothing you can really do about that. And I think it's important to say here, Stephen, that these allegations were investigated by Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, a Republican, his office, right? Right. Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has sworn law enforcement officers that tracked down claims of fraud. They looked at the security camera video and, in fact, invited a local TV station to look at the security camera videos. President Trump doubling down on claims of voter fraud in Georgia. And you can hear the president berating Brad Raffensperger and declaring he actually won the election. And so there was hard video proof that all of these claims were false, but by then it had taken a life of its own and had gotten all the way to the point where there were debates within the FBI about whether to send people down to do interviews and investigations. Let's talk about that, because that's something that B.J. Pack is testifying to, to before the Senate Judiciary Committee in August. Uh, the day after Rudy Giuliani comes to Atlanta, testifies before uh, this Republican State Senate Committee about the election and these kind of crazy allegations that he's making, B.J. Pack gets a call from his boss. William Barr, the attorney general. What does William Barr ask him? He says, you know, this is a top priority that you need to look into and that you need to investigate these claims. Now, if you look through the minority report, which Republicans put out about some of these interviews, their takeaway and interpretation is that, well, you know, B.J. Pack said it would make sense that President Trump would want to have fraud investigated, that the law enforcement agencies would be the ones to look at this. But it paints a little bit different picture when you have, you know, the attorney general of the U.S. saying this claim is something that the big boss wants to investigate. And, and, and B.J. Pack says, OK, I'll look into it, right? <laughs> he looks into it and finds what the secretary of state's office said. There was video evidence that the claims just didn't match up to reality. But that's not the end of this story. We're coming up on the election, and B.J. Pack, like other U.S. attorneys around the country, you know, the DOJ, B.J. Pack, others don't want to say or do anything that could manipulate the Senate runoff election. And Pack says he's probably going to announce his resignation after the election and have it effective the inauguration, which is typically when you would have a lot of turnover because a new party and a new president comes in and picks their own choices. So it's not unusual for top prosecutors across the country to submit their resignation in advance of an inauguration when there's a new administration coming in. Yeah, exactly. So BJ Pack has plans to move on to other things on his own terms. But at a January 3rd meeting in the Oval Office, then-President Donald Trump had other ideas. That's next. This is Georgia Today.
You're listening to Georgia Today. I'm Steve Fennessy. Joining me is GPB's Stephen Fowler. We're talking about the latest revelations on former President Donald Trump's interference in Georgia's 2020 presidential elections. B.J. Pack intended to serve as U.S. attorney until President Biden was inaugurated. But that isn't exactly how it turns out. No. After Pack says there was nothing wrong with State Farm, the president isn't exactly happy about that. And so Trump says that B.J. Pack is a never-Trumper. Okay, how do we know he said that? Where, where did that come up? This comes, if you look at the report, from an interview with people that were in the room with the president when he was making these comments. It's from somebody who was in the room where it happened. And he says that, no surprise, in Atlanta, we have a never-Trumper there referring to B.J. Pack. There's a story as far back as 2016 of then-state legislator Pack talking about Trump and saying he's not necessarily uh, endorsing him and not necessarily thinking he's going to be best for the party moving forward. And so Trump says that B.J. Pack is a never-Trumper and starts to have questions about putting him in charge of things. Trump said, Atlanta, Atlanta, no surprise there. They didn't find anything. No surprise because we have a never-Trumper there as a U.S. attorney. Trump, he's been fixated on Georgia's election results. Now he's fixated on B.J. Pack, and he wants B.J. Pack fired, and he wants to fire him on the spot for not doing enough to find the alleged fraud that was going to be proven in Georgia. So talk a little bit more about that conversation, because we have testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee of officials who were in the Oval Office when that discussion took place. So what was the gist of the discussion? Well, the gist of the discussion is that, uh, you know, B.J. Pack had already said that he was going to resign soon, you know, in a couple weeks. We're not going to fire somebody who's already talked about resigning. Uh, But... What happened was that uh, Pack said he thought about resigning after an infamous call between Trump and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. This infamous phone call that President Trump in, actually it was uh, early January of this year, of 2021, a few weeks before the inauguration, where he is still fighting tooth and nail to win an election that had already been declared for his opponent. I have to find... 12,000 votes, and I have them times a lot, and therefore I won the state. President Trump, in an hour-long phone call with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, asking for votes that would put him above Biden. I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. Uh, You know, we have that in spades already. The president reigniting already debunked claims of voter fraud and machine malfunctions. Most of the call was about, you know, Trump berating Raffensperger and berating the attorney that was with Raffensperger's office, claiming that he just needed to find some votes so he could be declared winner and that they were letting voters of Georgia down by not overturning it. And in the immediate aftermath, it was kind of an aside of Trump saying, oh, yeah, you know, talking about the never Trumper U.S. attorney. The then president called Mr. Pack a never Trumper, the Justice Department now looking into that incident. Now we know that it had a little bit more significance. The day after the call is ultimately when Pack resigns. So in in his testimony to the Senate Judiciary Committee, what was the recollections of B.J. Pack about how how he found out that he was going to have to resign or be fired? 
Well, he got a call from senior Justice Department officials, uh, and he was told that Trump was very unhappy with him and that uh, Trump agreed to accept the resignation, but that basically he had to do it sooner rather than later. And by sooner, they mean now. And so, you know, he just sent off a quiet letter. Uh, he said he sent a very bland resignation in order to avoid impacting the upcoming election. And there was something else that was unusual about this. The protocol is when a top prosecutor steps down, who's a political appointee, that the interim prosecutor who is there until the next person is appointed permanently is a career prosecutor, the first assistant United States attorney. Um, But in this case, that's not what Trump wanted. He wanted his own man in there, right? Yeah. You know, typically there's a very well stated protocol of who steps in um, and runs things so that there's not any sort of chaos. And so there's uh, regularity and consistency. So Trump instead wanted to move over another U.S. attorney from the Southern District of Georgia, Bobby Christine. Trump said, if I put him in, he'll do something about it. President Trump has named Bobby Christine, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Georgia, as the new acting attorney in Atlanta, bypassing a top career prosecutor to fill the role. Christine's office announced news Tuesday, writing that he was named acting U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Georgia on Monday, quote, by written order of the president. The news comes after Trump appointed U.S. attorney Byung J. B.J. Pack abruptly resigned from the role, effective immediately on Monday after holding the position for three years. So the understanding is that if Bobby Christine moved over into the Northern District of Georgia, that he would perhaps succeed where B.J. Pack had not in finding some smoking gun that would prove election fraud. The interesting thing about that is after Bobby Christine was appointed, Bobby Christine came in and said, well, I can't find anything. There's nothing there. Y'all did a good job investigating. But yep, nothing there. Nothing there. And yet still, still, even today. Donald Trump insists that he won Georgia. We are almost a year later from the election that Joe Biden won that was counted three different times in Georgia. And we still have President Trump saying that he won the election. And you still have top Republican lawmakers saying he won the election. And plenty of pro-Trump Republican conservative voters that think he won the election. There were so many allegations, so many outlandish things that were found to be utterly groundless. But yet, it still kept going and going and going, and it kept feeding into this conspiracy theory that the election was a fraud. Typically, the presidential daily briefing is a big, thick book of uh, information and stories and intelligence and things that the president gets to know what's going on with the world. Trump's presidential daily briefing was from the far-right fever swamps of the internet, where you know, journalistic integrity and fact-checking and reality are very few and far between. And so you had these conspiracies from random parts of the internet that ended up driving a lot of the conversation. And that's been something that's been hard to counteract even 11 months later. I think about a quote that's attributed to the former U.S. Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who said, you know, we're all entitled to our opinions, we're all not entitled to different facts. And yet the facts now seem to be as fungible as opinions. 
where is all of this going when it comes to the Republican Party in Georgia? It sounds cliche to say that the Republican Party is at a crossroads, but it really is. And what you're seeing in Georgia is a battle for who is in charge of the Republican Party in Georgia. Is it the pro-Trump wing of the party that is energized and excited and angry at what they think was massive fraud that cost their president a second term and uh, who is on a warpath or the Georgia Republicans that have been in charge for the last 20 years or so that have focused on growing business-friendly policies and growing the type of state policies that have attracted so many diverse companies and people and voters to the state. And right now, it's looking like the Trump wing of the party could be what's in charge. In reading this report um, and and reading all of the coverage as we've come to know more about what occurred, especially in the White House, but also in the halls of power here in Georgia. Um, you know, that, but for the efforts of a few people, really, who were holding fast to, to the rule of law and to, um, to how things are done in America, that this whole thing might have turned out quite differently. Do you get that same feeling? Absolutely. You know, not a day goes by where I don't think about just how close we came to a completely different outcome, to a completely different set of circumstances, because if we did not have the Secretary of State's office so responsive to questions and knocking down claims and showing the work behind how Georgia's votes are counted... And if Brad Raffensperger wasn't such a hardcore capital C conservative, you know, it might not have been given as much weight because there's not, uh, you know, because there's not, uh, nobody's going to accuse, successfully accuse Brad Raffensperger of being squishy or being a closet Democrat. And then this report shows that if it were not for one U.S. attorney, who was principled, who wanted to uphold the rule of law in his job and in his purview, there could have been letters from the Department of Justice that would have undermined the integrity of the election in Georgia. But there was a draft letter that said, you know, the Department of Justice feels that it is your position to not certify the election, overturn the results. And to put forth an alternate set of electors, right? That was what that proposed letter yeah. said. And that was from the highest levels of the Department of Justice. If it wasn't for people like B.J. Pack saying, no, this isn't real, we could have had a real crisis on our hands, Steve, because these trusted, credible institutions would have been used to put their thumb on the scale and change the boundaries of our reality. Yeah, it's a reminder that we put our trust in institutions, but the institutions, of course, are upheld by people. They're only as strong as the people who occupy those positions. Exactly. And people are the cornerstones of elections. And I think we've seen the pitfalls and dangers of allowing conspiracies to creep into our democracy. In our complex American electoral systems, we saw that push to the limit last year And thankfully, mostly cooler heads have prevailed. My thanks to GPB Stephen Fowler. The Senate Judiciary Committee's investigation isn't over yet. 
It's still awaiting documents from the National Archive that could shed more light on White House efforts to subvert the election. Meanwhile, the Office of District Attorney Fonnie Willis is continuing its own investigation into election meddling in Fulton County by the White House. Thanks for listening to Georgia Today. For more, go to gpb.org. Georgia Today is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Subscribe anywhere you get podcasts, and please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple. Jess Mador produced this episode. Our engineer is Jesse Neiswanger. See you next week.